this week on the Off the Crossbar podcast. A wild week 10 leads into a hectic week 11 with games on Friday, Saturday, and even on Super Bowl Sunday. Flowix joins the NLL family. Dylan Ward and the Colorado Mammoth are red hot, plus a super boosted super parlay. All that and more on OTCB. My name is Teddy Jenner, and welcome back for another year of National Lacrosse League action. Matthews, quick stick. Are you kidding me? Why Dylan Ward? I don't believe what I just saw. That's the save of the year right there. Oh, wow. Flair right down the middle, shoots, and he scores! another edition of the off the crossbar podcast we are pretty much at the halfway point of the year and it's getting tighter and tighter and tighter each and every week uh we've seen blowouts we've seen high scoring we've seen low scoring um defensive gems we've seen everything over the first 10 weeks of the national lacrosse league excited for more my name is teddy jenner he is pat gregoire my friend how are you Doing good, my man. Honestly, 
I, I feel like I say this every week, but like just week after week, we're, we're just treated to such great lacrosse. And like, I think this is one of the best years that we've had in recent history, but I also don't know if that's just because we were missing it so badly, but man, every week, like I got decimated, absolutely decimated in my pick oh, this weekend. Shattered. Just, but that just shows you the, the as soon as we think, We've got this league figured out who's at the top and and who are those teams that are, you know, really pushing. It, we, we just get chewed up and spat out. But that's a good thing, right? Parody is a good thing. Uh, you got a fresh haircut for TV this week, bud? Uh, yes. Yes, I did. A little fade. A little fade. I, got, I got the uh, the double header. It's not not quite the uh, oh, wow, Reno right. or the uh, Mitch Belisle double header where I'm doing in one game or sorry, one day. Uh, I've got the doubleheader in Hamilton there Friday or sorry, Saturday, 5 PM. Uh, and then on Sunday, I'll be out there as well for the Halifax Philly game at Hamilton. So Is that like 2 PM or something like that? Uh, 1 PM, 2 PM uh, Atlantic. Yeah, so are you, you going to sleep in the catwalk or. <laughs> yeah, I might as well, man. I might as well. It is pretty high up there. I'll be honest. I don't know if I want to do that. It'll rock, it'll rock, it'll rock you to sleep. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Exactly. No, I'm excited. It'll, uh, it'll remind me of uh, this past summer when I was calling uh, the, the junior A games, a billion games in one day and, yeah. and sleeping at the hotel, waking up and calling more games. So it'll be fun. Uh, we'll get into all the action uh, from this past weekend and next weekend. Um, things out of the way first. He's at P. Greggy. I'm at Teddy Jenner. You can find the show at OTCB underscore podcast when we're on Instagram at OTCB Podcast. Uh, if you want to get yourself uh, an Every Child Matters shirt, you want to get yourself some new NLL swag so you can look your best at a game this coming weekend or a future game down the road, uh, make sure you hit nllshop.com or head over to fanatics.ca and get your NLL gear today. Um, let, let's get some things out of the way before we get into games. Uh, congratulations to KJ and Dana Jackson on the birth of their second daughter, uh, Tegan Jackson, was just born, I believe, earlier uh, on Wednesday. So congratulations to them. Um, that, that is great. Obviously, that's been something that's kind of been weighing on KJ's mind. And uh, he got into this game this past weekend and, and had a good one. And obviously, it, it started the positive juices flowing. And young Tegan is here uh, joining us now in this wonderful place we call planet earth um flow I thought, I thought when you said sorry when you said joining us now i was like did you lock her up for an interview already like <laughs> i know now dana and tegan from the recovery <laughs> i know i know that the jacksons have uh have their kids already lined up to be superstars which mm-hmm. i mean they already are let's be honest yeah. um but i was gonna say that's quick that's real quick <laughs> <laughs> already got her first interview six hours in the in the world <laughs> uh, Floix and the National Lacrosse League uh, are partnering, and this is um, something that just kind of come across. I, I'm still looking into some of the finer technical points of this, but this is basically essentially going to allow the National Lacrosse League to produce and highlight the National Lacrosse League games from sort of one set hub and have one set company providing them with all of their graphics, all of their score bugs, and everything that you see on a broadcast, and even some interactive aspects of it as well. So 
we all think, you know, how come one scoreboard looks different from another? And how come, you know, one arena doesn't have a shot clock or they don't put up penalty time? Well, hopefully this is going to allow all of that to happen. So Flowix and the National Crossing, this is just a basically a focus on all the U.S. content deals on ESPN and ESPN+. Plus. But it will allow for all the games to have a more streamlined appearance and make it a better broadcast from a viewer's standpoint. And I think this is becoming more and more popular uh, in sports. And I think with the pandemic that really pushed the emphasis on this. And I mean, there's, there's been times this year when you're watching, you know, a leaf game or an Oilers game or a flames game, whatever it may be. And uh, you don't know, but you know, there are, the talent is, you know, in Toronto and they're producing the game from, from there, or they send the talent and there's a small truck there, but the actual production's getting, you know, is back home here in Toronto or wherever it may be. So this is becoming more and more of a trend. And I think we're seeing it a little less here in Canada, but in the States, it's been going on for a long time. Um, And as you know, Teddy, uh, if it's, if it's going to be easier, if it's going to produce, uh, a better product, then that's something that obviously people want to do. And that's what this, this, uh, this new piece of content uh, company, I should say, is going to, going to do. Yeah. And, and essentially it'll help cost cuts because there'll be less need for people at arenas. Um, it, it will just kind of, like I said, streamline things a little bit more. Uh, I had a question to Joel Feld. Hopefully he would, was going to be able to answer me this in time, but, you know, just asking him, are we going to finally be able to have penalty time and shot clock on the score bug at the same time? Like little things like that, that viewers want to see when they are watching a game, but they don't want it taking up the whole screen. So uh, we will expect to see Flowix um, and their content uh, in ESPN graphics or ESPN games over the next few weeks, coming weeks, coming months and, and seasons ahead. So congratulations to the NLL on that one. Now, this one was a different one. Um, this is play up and Panther City uh, combining um, forces. And play up is a quote next generation entertainment and technology group. Uh, from the press release, it says um, they become Panther City's first gaming partner. The relationship also designates play up as a founding partner, fantasy sports partner, and esports partner in a deal that is believed to be the largest team sponsorship arrangement in NLL history. Now, you can't even gamble in Texas yet. So there are still some minor tweaks, but I think Panther City is just trying to get ahead of the ball here and and try to find a different avenue to um, attract a fan base that may not know of the National Lacrosse again, Panther City. Yeah, and these guys are also, I I looked it up, they're partnered with the New Jersey Devils, which would make sense. You you know, New Jersey is one of the the states that you can bet in. Um, But there's there's other play up, like there's free to play um, on the website too. So you can play slot games for free, um, some other things on, on the website as well. But I think this is just an avenue and I I wish I knew. Obviously, I am involved in the gaming industry with my full time job. I don't know what the process is with Texas right now uh, in terms of legalizing uh, sports gambling online. Maybe they're close. Maybe they know that, you know, play up is going to be able to provide um, local Fort Worthians. I don't think that's what they're called, but we'll go with that um, and ability to, to, to play. But obviously if it's that big of a deal, it's something that's very promising. 
Uh, again, just more in this press release, should sports betting become legalized in Texas in the future? The partnership could potentially lead to market access for playoff in what would be one of the most lucrative markets throughout the U.S. The market access would be subject to Panther City receiving a sports betting license and pending requisite regulatory approval. So, again, I, we'll eventually probably see the benefits of this, but right now it just kind of seems like it's kind of irons in the fire, stakes in the ground. Let's kind of just start a deal and see where they can go. So stay tuned for that. Another uh, piece of news that came out on Wednesday, we'll talk more about this with Dylan Ward, but uh, the game that was supposed to be Mammoth Riptide at Ball Arena on New Year's Eve has now been moved to April 4th. Uh, that is a Monday. Uh, they will play three home games in essentially a week. Uh, and it's not an easy schedule. So we'll get into that with Dylan Ward a little bit later. But let's look back on the week that was, Patty. Uh, let's kind of kind of move through this as best we can. Uh, let's start with your game. Halifax outlasting the Riptide um, in what was a tie game early on in the third quarter. Yeah, this was a game that obviously – you know, by the score, a three-goal game. But for, for for me, it felt like Halifax kind of was in, in the driver's seat the whole game. Uh, but the the fact that you had all those weapons up front for New York, you felt that they were never out of it. And they truly were never out of it, even though Halifax controlled the majority of the game. Like that that New York team, man, like just comparing from the first time they these two teams played, you know, in Halifax's inaugural home opener, the Riptide's first ever game, <clears throat> it was remarkable. Like, it, like this is a team that they're much, much better than what their record is. Like, they're not a one and six team. Like, they are a legitimate team that should be battling for a playoff spot. I think Halifax did an unbelievable job shutting down Jeff Teat. Teat only had three assists. Crawford obviously got his, but I think the game plan for Halifax was we're going to take away the time and space from Jeff Teat. We're going to obviously key on on Crawford. Uh, and if everyone else, you know, if we're going to lose, we're going to make the other guys beat us. And that obviously worked. But with all that being said, uh, New York's defense, that was probably one of the best defensive performances I've seen uh, out of this unit. They were pushing the ball a lot. I, I'm really like, of course, this is a great win for Halifax. Yeah. But I'm I, I'm very impressed with New York, and I know they're one in six, and it's going to be tough for them to climb up uh, up the uh, standings here. But this is a team that I came away saying, like, boy, they, they're they're close. They're really close. Uh, Halifax is now four and one. Uh, they are they four and one now. Yeah, they're four and one. Um, yep. Sitting second in the East. Uh, right behind Buffalo, who is six and oh, the bandits. Um, again, like you said, in that Halifax game, never really looked uncomfortable in that win over Rochester. At times, it kind of thought it might boil over. Um, but bandits again, another convincing win. Uh, they're going to be tested this weekend against Toronto, but they continue to be the prize of the NLL right now. Yeah, that's it's like it's getting to a point where you're just now you're nitpicking at things mm. and you could say like, oh, yeah, it wasn't their best performance, but it was an 11-8 victory like Matt Vince continuing to prove that he's playing some of the best lacrosse that he's that he's playing of his career like Dane Smith. Like, could we see Dane Smith potentially beat his own record this year? Like he's on an unbelievable tear another seven point performance like 
this is this team is is unbelievably impressive but i do agree like they're gonna have to lose at some point like they're not gonna run the table like they're going to lose is it this weekend against the rock i don't know like i'm not gonna be going against them and pick them until they lose because they they just look so good from top to bottom yeah uh, your point of we're getting nitpicky like sure they were up they were up early in that first quarter but I think they got outscored the rest of the game, or maybe they, it was within one the rest of the game. But like, right, whatever. You, you get out to those early leads so that if you have a bad quarter, you still have that buffer space. And and Buffalo just knows how to win, whether it's at home on the road. Uh, John Tavares has that group really believing in themselves. And you know, if it's not a Josh Byrne night, it's a Dane Smith night. If it's not Dane Smith, it's Connor Fields. It's it's Dahoga. Like they, their offense is incredibly scary. And then when you get that defense and Matt Vance playing the way they are. Uh, it's just a tough, tough, tough battle for any team uh, going into Bandland at all. Uh, home and home between Albany and Georgia was, um, as expected, it was a fantastic two-game set. Um, I would love to see a, a best of seven between these two teams. Um, <laughs> but maybe the one thing that kind of stood out for me um, as both home teams won in those games is, is Dougie kind of looked kind of brought back to earth a little bit. And those, that, that three-game stretch, he was just playing out of his mind. Um, maybe it was just because of the travel and it was a home and home, but, uh, there were those, those in instances where he let in some goals. He probably should have, like, I think of the Adam Wiedemann goal from way outside the restraining line. Um, there were a few of those mixed in with some brilliance, but I don't think it's much of a concern again, nitpicking, but it, he did kind of get brought back down to earth. I just, for, for me, I, I don't want to hit the panic button with Dougie because, for for me, it's like we know what we can expect out of him. He's he's gonna have shaky games here and there, but I think everyone just expected. Okay, he went through that stretch. Dougie's back. He's gonna be like this the whole year. But I think if you're Albany, yeah, you probably would have preferred to go two and zero. You're gonna be okay with a split. But if you're Albany, you got to be thrilled that if your defense is struggling and if if Dougie's not having a night, now you know your offense can yeah. can click here and spark. This is the first time we've seen this season them hit double digits. Like their offense looked really good this weekend. Uh, Joe Rez was was unstoppable, and I think that he's kind of stepping up, being that leader of this offense. Mm-hmm. And when those other pieces step up as well, like this is now a team that doesn't need to hold other teams to seven goals because their offense can't score. Like this is a lot more of a dynamic team. I'm not going to go as far as Brad Challoner saying they're the most well-rounded team in the NLL, uh, but they're certainly a little more dynamic than what we thought they would be at the start of the year. Like it, it, it shocks me that Brewster's only got eight goals. Like, Right. He, he, he hasn't had the, like I thought he would go in and he would be, you know, the same way he was in Colorado, like Kyle Buchanan is with Buffalo. But um, it's just not quite there yet, but he's still chipping in. But, you know, Riley O'Connor had a hat trick in the last game. Andrew Q starting to play well and they're getting transition goals from Watkinson and, and Tony Malcolm. So, you know, and Charlie Kitchen, when he gets in there, is having, you know, making a difference. So again, we're starting to see some offenses that, you know, we kind of thought, you know, no Callum, you know, no Steph LeBlanc, oh, Albany's going to struggle. Maybe they did early on, but the last few games, like you said, hitting double digits um, and starting to bail their defense out on nights where they need to be bailed out. And, and speaking of um, defenses, Toronto shuts out 
Philadelphia for the entire second half. They give up only two goals in the final 45 minutes as they dominate the wings. Um, we all kind of were throwing up maybe some red flags with Philadelphia because they were very Jekyll and Hyde. And this might be a concerning tide shift for the wings. It's definitely an eye opener. It's a wake up call. It's a look at the mirror, whatever cliche you want to throw out. Like this is it for Philly. Like they were scraping by teams. They hadn't beat. They still haven't. They haven't beat a team over 500. Mm -hmm. They haven't competed. You know, they've competed in some of those games, I should say, but they haven't come out with a win. This is a massive red flag. Like the fact that their offense and don't get me wrong, Nick Rose played tremendous 43 saves the defense was stout but it, whenever they have to go up against a, a good defense they've struggled like they struggled immensely against albany who's an uh, another you know tough defense this offense just has way too many weapons to to be silenced to seven goals but with that being said do they have too much of the same like mm. are a lot of these players too similar like there are a lot of guys that like to shoot from the outside. There are a lot of guys that, you know, they do have a couple of crasher and bangers, but they don't have those crasher and bangers who are going to score on the inside, or they're just not scoring on the inside right now. Like it just, to me, it seems like maybe they just have too much of the same. Yeah. They don't have a water bug. They don't have a Bucky. They don't have a rooster. Like Benny Mack will go in the corner and get loose balls as well. You know, um, Corey small and Rambo and those guys, but, just those little pests that, that buzz around and just do all the little little things. Um, I, I really agree. I do think that's that, that is a piece that they're that they are missing. Um, 18 shots in, in the second half isn't going to get it done in the National Cross League, but we can't sell short that Toronto offense finally healthy uh, and finally clicking. Schreiber, Dawson, Hellier, all contributing. Dan Craig had an incredible night. Um, and if, you know, we talk about Albany finding their rhythm offensively with a very stout defense, if that rock defense continues to shut teams down under 10, that offense can put up 13 without blinking an eye. 100%. I think this version of the Toronto Rock, and maybe even to, to their last game, you could say, this is what I think people expected. You know, they're built on defense transition and Nick Rose and net and then they have pieces on offense that can go off and I've been very vocal saying that the rock need needed to address something on their left side that you know they they that it was not a championship left side they have unreal righties you could put their righties up against pretty much anyone in the league but their lefties were just unacceptable and they have shoved that <laughs> right in my face uh, because their lefties are starting to score now. Yeah. And I think a big thing is putting, you know, having Zach Mans in the lineup, but having Zach Mans in the lineup, playing confident, attacking mm -hmm. the net. He's not just an outside shot. Like he's scoring his goals on top of the crease. He's fighting for loose balls. And, and like Dan Craig, I mean, this guy, like he's more than just like what he kind of was for the last few years is, you know, an option on the power play and a guy who can shoot and score from the outside. Like this guy is an animal on loose balls. Like he is a freak on loose balls, you know, extending possessions. Like he's playing away from the ball. Like he's not just a spot up shooter anymore. And mm -hmm. it showed. And 
like this offense, like they're not going to have this output every single game. Like it's just not going to happen. But if if they can be a little more balanced with their lefties and their righties, and it's not, you know, relying on Schreiber going off and it's not relying on Heldier going off. Like if they can get that balanced attack on offense, this is a championship contending team. And I'll say it, Brad Cree, seven cause turnovers. Like, are we ready to now put him in the elite status and say he's a top five defender? I've been banging this drum for about like three, four years now. I think it's ready. We can say it because what he's been able to do over the last couple of weeks, it's remarkable. He, he, he probably, I I think he has to be one of the most underrated defenders in the national crossing flat out because he's not getting the overall respect, but he, is probably their best defender right now and has been for the last couple of years. And that's crazy to think when they have Chown Rogers, they have a defender of the year and Jason Noble on that team. They bring in Mitch to snoo, but Brad Cree doesn't, doesn't care what your thoughts are. He will just go out, shut you down, punch you in the mouth, smile, and then go do it again. And I, I agree with you. I think it is uh, just do that. He gets his props and his credit because he continues to make a case that he is a top five defender in the entire national lacrosse league. Uh, the Colorado Mammoth used a strong second half to pull away from the Calgary Roughnecks, who are playing without Curtis Dixon, without Tyler Pace, and without Marshall King. And Colorado is now five and one, right on the heels of the San Diego Seals. And they seem to have turned things around. Yeah, this this is a team that I really want to see a rematch against the Seals. Or I yeah. want to see them play the rush. Like, I'm not ready to throw them in the elite, like, top of the league category, but they're – I'll use a, a wrestling reference for you. Ooh. They're the number one contender. They're getting ready to – you know, they, they, want a, they want a shot at who they need to beat. Like, they had that one stinker the second game of the season, but everyone else that they've played, like – They've come out, come away with wins. And I don't want to give away what we've talked with, you know, Dylan Warden a little bit, but the, the thing is that it's, it's not the way they're winning. isn't what we used to see with Colorado where, yes. you know, they try to keep the game low, low scoring and grind teams out. They're a lot different. Uh, the final game of the weekend, uh, Vancouver cruises without Mitch Jones. I don't think a lot of people saw this coming. Um, in, in the fashion that it did, you know, I know a lot of people kind of thought, oh, no, Mitch Jones, uh, Vancouver continues to struggle. Panther City's playing decently, even though they're coming off that butt kicking from the rush. Um, Vancouver just, they finally put another 60 minute game together, but of their wins, this is the second against Panther City. So a little good, a little bad. But overall, I thought it was one of their better performances and Reed Bowering and Kyle Killen uh, were two of the key cogs. Yeah, Killer continues to, to impress. And I think he's, he's a guy that, you know, we've seen flashes of brilliance out of him. It's just the consistency. And we are seeing that out of him now. And they're going to need him to be brilliant. You know, if Mitch Jones is out for a while. But you mentioned rebowering. Like, how can we not talk about him? Like, <laughs> this, like, what an opportunity for him. And I know he's not thinking about it, but like, you know, everyone, 
everyone got off the rebowering. Not everyone, but a big chunk was all right. Jeff T. He found his his way. Like he's yeah. played four games. He's rolling. He's leading. Score. Like this is now his. Like you know, this is his uh, his award to lose basically. And then on Friday night, he gets held to three assists. Looks like a normal human being. And income Saturday night, the TSN game of the week. Reed Bowering is the most impressive player on the floor and he dominates loose balls. He's causing turnovers. He's scoring in transition. He's setting things up and then kind of reminding, Hey guys, like I know Jeff T's playing good, but, but like I'm pretty good too. And every time I watch this guy, man, like I just think like I cannot wait to continue to watch this yes. guy for 10, 15, 20 more years, because this is a generational talent. You want to talk about Jeff T being a generational talent? Well, this guy's just as special. He he makes, we've talked about this a lot. He makes like just some plays look no, so nonchalant. There was the one off yeah. the faceoff where he sprints from the far side of the line, gets bench side, finds a loose ball amongst three guys, and just casually just kind of flips it kind of over his shoulder, no look, right to Riley Lowen, all alone on a breakaway. Um, just ho-hum right to the bench. We got a goal. Let's go get it back and do it again. Um, just so casual, so strong. Uh, my hot take on coast to coast this week is that he leads the NLL by the, at the end of the year in loose balls and he won't ever take a single face off. I love that. I love that take. And I, I, I mean, it's hard not to, to think that that could be true. Like it's ridiculous how, like, what is he second right now in, he's in loose balls? In loose 70... balls, but his, his loose balls per game, uh, he's at 12.7 per game on pace for 228. <laughs> that's so ridiculous. Like, that is just – that's silly. That's yeah. absolutely silly. For a rookie to be doing it too yeah. is – it just shows you, like and, – and this – I'll be honest. I'll put my hand up, and I think I've said this before. Like, I, I coming into this season, I hadn't seen a ton of his game, yeah. you know, him being on the, on the West coast. And I knew he was good. I knew he was special and you, you were excited to see him, but I'm continually blown away every time I see him. And I'm not talking about, you know, Saturday night watching him on the game. And then in a couple of weeks watching it, I'm talking like every time he steps foot on the floor, like mm-hmm. shift by shift, there's something that he does that I notice that he adds to his game. It's, it's ridiculous. Like he is, he is truly a a fun player to watch and we're going to be treated that I think Tete and him are going to be conjoined together because they came into the league together. And I know one's a, you know, a transition player, one's a forward, one's in the East, one's in the West, but I think we're going to have chatter about these two guys for a long time. Absolutely. And they, you know, they played Mintos against each other. They they'll play team Canada together for many years to come. They will be, you know, not directly as Ovechkin Crosby link, but that those two will be hand in hand synonymous with each other uh, pretty much throughout the rest of their careers. Uh, all right, before we get into our guest this week, Dylan Ward, uh, Adam Levy, who was on the show last week and his lacrosse matrix podcast, uh, put up a cold poll question this week. Um, is Sean Evans a top five player of all time? Do you think he will be by the time his career is done? Pat? Oh, I think obviously right now, my answer is no. I don't think right now he is by the end of it. It's so hard to say, like, it's so hard to say, like, and I think it's hard. Are like, are we saying like just NLL? Because if you include what he's been able to do in the summer, 
with the Peterborough Lakers in junior and especially with the senior Lakers, like, I think you have to have the conversation. Like I, I really do. And like, yeah, you talk about enough, all the numbers. Okay. So that's fair enough, but let's focus NLL only. <sighs> I'm going to say no, but I think it's going to be very close. Yeah. Like it's going to be very close. Like I think he's top, he'll be top 10, but I don't think he'll be top five. Yeah. But the fact that you're even having that conversation shows you that like he deserves to be into the conversation, but uh, the thing that just blows me away is like, you look at, if you go on NLL.com and check out the all time stats leaders, like he's up there for goals. He's going to be up there for, for games played eventually. He's there for assists, but then like you look at he's fourth in all time for penalty minutes and that just <laughs> shows you one what kind of fiery competitor he is. And, and he's, you know, the, the guy that you absolutely hate to play against, or you hate if he's playing against your team, but you absolutely love him if he's on your team. But also if he didn't spend 577 minutes in the penalty <laughs> box, how many more points could he, could he have? Right. Yeah, He's, he's a uh, special player, man. Yeah. He's a special player. He's a hall of famer. No doubt. Yeah. He's six minutes away from passing Jeff Snyder for third all time in penalty minutes. But like you said, he's, He's climbed the ranks in goals, points, assists, games played. Uh, Brad Chowner is on record, I think, saying um, that he believes Sean will eventually pass Dawson um, yeah, in points. Yeah, I did say that. Um, so that, that'll be interesting to watch. I don't think he gets there, and I I'm, I love Sean Evans. Uh, I played against him in the NLL. I played against him in Man Cups. He is a son of a bitch. To play against but he yeah. would be one of the first guys i would take on my team in a heartbeat because of his compete level and his natural ability and skills and fiery passion i agree he's a top 10 i don't think he's top five i might even put him top seven but when you look at the list of guys from the gates to the Tavares's to junior to veltman um doyle dawson I, I just don't know if he cracks the top five yet um yeah. sure maybe if he climbs up a little bit more I, I just think the other guys carry more cachet and, and that's not a slight to Sean Evans because he is arguably one of the best players our game has ever seen and he does it at a diminutive size that most players his size should shouldn't be able to do um yeah. and that may work against him but I definitely agree that he's top 10 maybe not top five top seven um but regardless uh one of the greatest careers uh, in our sports history, and he continues to add to that. All right, this week's guest is Dylan Ward. No matter how you spell his name, how you pronounce his name, uh, he is one of the best to ever do it. His Colorado Mammoth are on a bit of a winning streak. They are now 5-1, and one, tied for first in the West, and they will rematch with Calgary this weekend in Cowtown. Here's the goalie of the Colorado Mammoth, Dylan Ward, right here on the Off the Crossbar Podcast. Joined by Dylan Ward. Dylan, 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 Dylan. It's Dylan. Uh, buddy, how are you? I'm good. Thanks for having me. Um, you guys were at Monday Night Raw the other night. Uh, you, Eli, I think maybe Ron John might have been there. C-Rob. Uh, Monday Night Raw in Denver. Uh, what a night that must have been. How much fun did you guys have? Yeah, we had a blast. Um, we 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 sat ringside right at the tunnel. So all the guy, everyone who was walking out came right past us. 
And uh, we had no idea that we were sitting there. Um, the boys were fired up when we found out, but it was uh, it was an electric factory. Ball arena was buzzing, and it was uh, it was just a lot of fun to be there. For for people who have never been to a, a live taping uh, of a WWE event, or more importantly, a Raw event, how blown away were you by just the magnitude of the production of everything? Yeah, it was crazy. Um, you know, just to, like to see how athletic the the wrestlers are, um, how you know how much is going on behind the scenes in terms of the in terms of the production and and um, you know all the cameras that are there. Um, you know, there's there's so much that goes into it. And then on top of every, everything else, like people need to know the, their, their storylines and their, their lines and everything. Like it yeah. was, you know, it's, it's a, it's a crazy scene. Who was your favorite guy? Who was your favorite wrestler? Um, the Miz was pretty cool. I mean, you got it like Randy Orton is Randy Orton. Yeah. He's uh, got to see an RKO. That was pretty cool. Um, <laughs> you know, Ray Mysterio, Ron John got dapped up by Ray Mysterio. He said he's never going to wash his hands. So, uh, <laughs> it was, uh, all in all it was a it was a wild night i think for even if you're you know just a sports fan to go and see it live and actually you know get to see how big the athletes how like the you said it like they are athletes but they're also actors and you see how impressive it is but with that being said were there any hardcore wrestling fans with you because they probably appreciated it even more uh, not, I don't know if any of the guys that we were with, like the mammoth guys were like hardcore wrestling fans. I think Ron John probably would have been the biggest one, but like, right. Like sitting ringside, like there's guys dressed up guys and girls dressed <laughs> up like in like wrestling garb, um, signs everywhere. It was, uh, it, it, it truly was, it was an electric factory. Like uh, the I, place I was, was thinking to myself, the one, the first year I'm not with the mammoth and deeps not with the mammoth <laughs> wwe finally comes to town you guys sit front row i'm like you gotta be kidding me uh, <laughs> I, texted, uh, I texted deep uh earlier in the day i was like do you hear the news and he was uh he was a little rattled he was fired up for the boys but i you could tell he was rattled that he wasn't going to be a part of it uh you guys were obviously coming off a big win uh saturday night again against pretty much your arch rival in calgary uh, you guys have been on a, a roll as of late. What's the feeling like in that locker room right now as you guys continue to kind of start to find your groove? Yeah, I mean, vibes are high. Um, you know, we're, we're we're a different team this year. You know, in years past, Teddy, you've been around it. Um, it it's kind of been like first to 10 wins and, um, you know, defensive battles, grinding out games. And so far this year in our, our six games, our five wins, we've kind of won every different kind of way. You know, we've won high scoring shootouts. We've won low scoring games. Um, you know, we've, we've come from behind, we've held leads. Like it's just been, you know, to be a third through the season and to be able to say we've won like four or five different ways and in, in all our wins, you could argue, argue that of our five wins, we've had, we've won four different ways. So it's pretty, it's pretty cool to see. And it's, it's nice to be a part of a team where, you know, if I'm having a bad game, like, you know, the first three minutes of that Vancouver game, you know, years past, we go down like that, like the game's over. We're not coming back. But, you know, to have the weapons that we do up front and to have the resilience that we did to, to be able to pot 18 when we're giving up a bunch, um, you know, that's it's just a credit to, to how well-rounded this team is. How, how much confidence does that instill for you in the defense, knowing that this year, you know, the pressure isn't all on you guys to dictate the way the game's going to go. Like you said, if you do have a slow start, the offense can keep you guys in any game this year. It's awesome. You know, we just have 
you know, you look at the pieces up front, um, anyone can go off at any, any given time. And we saw it with C-Rob this weekend. Uh, you know, he couldn't miss. Um, Leeser's been putting up a ton of points. Eli McLaughlin is kind of the, I think he's a bit the straw that, that stirs the drink up there. He's, I think he's more of our, our offensive leader. And, and you just go down the list of guys. Like I haven't even mentioned Zed Williams yet. And he, he's still trying to, I think he's still finding his groove and finding his role in our offense, but you know, it's, it's, we just have so many weapons coming at you um, each and every shift. It's, it's been, it's awesome to be a part of. You mentioned Zed. Uh, what's it been like for you getting to know him as a person and as a player, because you guys have been foes for quite a, quite some time. Yeah, I've, uh, I've had a bit, I had a bit of a relationship before this season playing with uh, Zed uh, when he was with the chiefs as a, as an AP. So I've met him a handful of times and, and uh, you know, just, he's, he's just such a genuine guy. And um, you know, each week, you know, he's always asking how the week was. I'm always asking how his kids are, everything. And, and um, you know, he generally just like, he, he cares about the guys. He, he cares about life outside of lacrosse, asking how people are doing and, you know, he's just, you know, he's, he's not the kind of guy, like he's so unselfish. Like he just wants to be, he wants it, wants us to be successful on, on the floor and then cares about everyone off the floor. He's, he's an awesome human being. Um, I don't, I don't want to bring this up, but just from a goalie's perspective, those first three minutes of that Vancouver game, what is it that just makes a goalie have an off night like that? Yeah, I don't know. It was, um, it was a bad one. Um, <laughs> Uh, you know, the first couple minutes, you know, they scream three by me right away. It's like, what is going on? And um, that first pull comes, you know, I get to the bench. I'm like, all right, let's shake this off. You know, hopefully we can get a stop at a TC here. Um, you know, maybe we chip one in, then I'll go back in. We'll settle down and we'll, we'll get going. And, you know, TC gets scored on right away. I go back in. I think they pot two more on me and I'm sitting there like, what, like what's happening? And I think by the time I got pulled the second time, it was five, six, nothing. And I don't think we had a shot yet. So it was just like, we were just getting dominated at every aspect of that game. And, um, you know, we just, we, we couldn't stop, we couldn't stop it. So, you know, it, it was, it's, it's definitely frustrating, but at the same time, it was awesome to, to see, like, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not playing well. We got TC in there. That's why you have a, a backup goalie to go in there. And, and when things aren't going well for me to, to, to help, you know, settle things down. And, and the fact that he was able to pull out a win for us is unbelievable and just see the resilience out of everyone to, you know, no one really panicked. Everyone was like, you know, obviously there was that shock at the start, like what is going on, but at no point did, did we get down where it was just like, all right, we'll chip away at this thing. We'll, we'll, we'll see if we can get, you know, to within five or four after the first quarter, we, we almost tie it going into the second half. And then we kind of just kept going from there. So the resilience in the group was awesome. You know, it was, it's awesome to see that I can completely lay an egg. Obviously I don't want to do that uh, a lot. I don't ever want to do that, but to see us be able to pull out a win was, you know, it, it was awesome. And again, it just shows the resilience of our group. You mentioned the word panic and, you know, having that resiliency, maybe with the exception of, of that second game of the year, um, when you guys lose 13, four, to the seal. It, it seems like that was, you know, a million years ago because yeah. obviously with, with all, all, all the pushbacks, but the fact that you guys are playing completely different, has that kind of been a little bit of a, a you know, a rallying cry or a turning point for your guys season? I, I think that San Diego game was a, was a little punch to the mouth, which I think we needed because after that, that Georgia game, 
you know, I think we were kind of feeling ourselves a little bit too much. And, you know, we needed to take a step back and realize, like, that was a completely different Georgia team than, than they've had in the past. They had a lot of rookies up yeah. front. Um, obviously, you know, Pooley doesn't play his best game. And I think that was just a little bit of, you know, we 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 were gifted a little bit too much than we probably should have that game. And um, coming back to San Diego, I think we we're feeling ourselves a little too much. And we got hit with a uh, hit by a buzzsaw and um, brought us back down to earth. And since then, it's been like, OK, we need to you know, we can't just show up. We need to earn everything uh, that we're going to get. And um, we can't we can't rely on us being us to win games. So we just need to go out there and, and work and grind our way to, to win, whether it's a high scoring game, low scoring game, whatever it may be. You mentioned the, the depth of this offense and, and everybody's being able to contribute. Uh, Ryan Lee has given a lot of praise to Bishop and, and what he's been able to do um, as the OC taking over for Sean Williams. Um, obviously, Bish has been around the team as a scout and, and as a film guy the last few years, but now taking that step onto the bench, um, from your perspective, how well has he been integrated into that unit to kind of make that offense completely, completely different than what it's been in the past few years? Yeah, I mean, I don't I don't spend a ton of time with him in the right. offensive end, obviously, but you know, as a guy, Teddy, you know, he's a, he's an awesome guy. He, he's so down to earth and he cares so much about lacrosse. Um, you know, we'll be, he, he does so much film on his own and I'll get emails from our, our huddle account. Like Jason Bishop has shared 50 clips on like a Tuesday night. And, um, you know, the guy is just so prepared and just cares so much. So, you know, you see, you see the results we're, we're putting up. It feels like we're putting up a lot more goals than we have in years past. And, you know, obviously you can accredit that to, to the players that we've brought in. And I think you have to accredit that also to, to what Bishop's been able to do and, and the guys just buying into, to what he's, uh, what he's selling. You, you mentioned film and uh, it seems, especially this year, maybe with all the stoppages, but it seems like film has been integrated a lot more in coaching and scouting and teaching uh, this season, even in years past, how much of you personally as a goalie, you know, used film to, to scout, not just your upcoming opponent, but maybe some things that didn't work for you in the previous game. Oh, for sure. I've been a huge advocate for film and I've said it for years. Um, I'm always watching, I'm always watching film on myself. You know, I'm watching film on the team that we're going to play against. And, you know, I'm, I'm also watching a ton of film on other goalies, you know, what's working for them, what's not working for them. What's something I can take from other guys' games to kind of add it into my own. But, you know, I think, I think film is a, is such a huge asset if, if you use it the right way. And, and, you know, you know, there's no, like you, you just, you watch everybody and see what's working for them. What's not working for them. You watch offenses. Where are they, where are they trying to attack from? What, what's, uh, what are their tells? How can we, you know, get the upper hand on a team because the, this league, there's so much talent top to bottom. Um, you know, you just need to get any edge that you can and, and film, I think is a, is a great way to, to, to get a, a slight edge on someone if you're doing it. You're obviously going to be watching a lot of film this week because you got Calgary again. Um, that game over the weekend was wild. You're up five two. You were you were down seven six. You were up twelve uh, ten. Um, what do you take away from that game that that gives you maybe an advantage this weekend? Yeah, we can't. You know, we can't take them for granted. Um, you know, I think them not having Tyler Pace, Curtis Dixon, and uh, Marshall King. You know, it's easy for us to be like, okay, well, we'll get up early and. What kind of coast from there? And we saw it in the second quarter. We we had a pretty big lapse and and kind of bit us in the ass there. 
But, um, you know, you look at a team like that, like they're missing, they're missing two of their veterans. They've got a lot of first round picks and you take out Curtis Dixon and Tyler Pace that opens up 30 shots for those young guys. So those young guys, you know, had to be thinking, I'm going to take as many shots as I possibly can. I'm going to try and, you know, make a name for myself, or I'm going to try and cement myself in this offense. So, you know, a hungry dog runs faster. I think we kind of ran into a, a pretty hungry team and some young guys that are trying to prove themselves. So we're going to need to bear down for a full 60 and, and just, play our game in the D end and the O end for the, for, for the full, full, full 60 and, um, you know, take care of business because as we saw last week, take your foot off the gas, teams can get up on you. You guys lose Dan Coates, uh, during the off season, but you know, over the past few years, you brought in Warren Jeffrey, Brett Craig, Ron, John, Jalen Chaster, uh, a new look and youthful defense in front of you. Um, what do you like about guys like Ron, John and Jalen who just, bring uh, excitement, energy, and a lot, a lot of speed. Yeah, you nailed it at the end there. Like, those guys are, are so fast. And, um, you know, I think, I think the, like you said, we've, we've had a lot of change, but we've also, you know, we've had guys that have been around for, for a while. And, you know, Joey Capito has been here for a long time, Hopi and um, Savvy Vets and Carnes and, and Winsor. So to be able to, to, to bring in new guys, but also keep, keep some pillars in our defense. It's just like, it, it, it helps naturally mold this defense and bringing guys in like the foundation is there. We just need to, you know, you add some new pieces. They learn the, the schematics and the base of what we're trying to do. And uh, it's, pr it's a pretty seamless uh, transition. And, you know, those guys, they, they, the way that they can handle the ball and get up and down the floor, it's um, it, it just brings another element to this team. One of the storylines earlier on, at least in the season, was, you know, with COVID-19, we're seeing players go on and off the protocol list. Uh, but in a couple of weeks, we saw some young goalies make their debut in the NLL. Something that's positive to, to see going forward, because I know Teddy and I have always said that depth in goaltending might be the one thing that's not ready to grow. But now we're seeing some of these young goalies prove they can play in the league. Do you think we're at a point where we can add more teams and have more franchise goaltenders. I mean, I, I was definitely someone who was saying like, if we keep expanding the way that we are, the, the goaltending talent pool is going to get diluted. And I think I've been proved wrong uh, so far this year. We've seen some, some young goalies step in and, and play some really, really good lacrosse. Um, you know, I think, I think it's awesome to see, cause I feel like, you know, for, since I've been in the league, it's almost been like the same goalies, for, you know, six, seven years. So it's exciting to see this, uh, you know, fresh blood and, and young guys coming in and continue to show that Orangeville is still a, a goalie factory. <laughs> but uh, yeah. I think I think the goaltending position is in a great spot. And uh, to see these young guys coming in and have success so quickly has been, it, it's, a, it's great for the game. With that being said, I, I don't know how familiar you are with uh, O'Reglieri. What have you seen so far early in his game that makes you think that he can be a, a legitimate goalie in this league? Yeah, I, I unfortunately haven't seen him play a ton. I watched uh, a bit of the Junior A series this summer, and um, you know, I watched him a bit in, in preseason and some game, some game action he had this year. But you know, he's a tall, rangy goalie. He's athletic. Um, I think he cuts down his his angles well and. You know, I think he's just kind of got that build to to be successful in the in the NLL, and I think he's pretty. It seems it seems like he doesn't get rattled too super easy. I don't know him as a person, but just the way he plays and carries himself, it doesn't doesn't seem like much gets to him. So I think those uh, having a good temperament is obviously a big thing to to be successful in the NLL. 
He's a he's a young Dylan Ward, man. He he, <laughs> he stands like you. He throws the like I, I kid you not. Like his mannerism and his movements. When I saw him in that Survivors Cup tournament, just kind of was like, I'm watching Dylan Ward. It, it's it's crazy. Um, I really agree. I think he does have a pretty bright future. For sure. Um, two more for you. Uh, you guys just announced that that New Year's Eve game that was postponed against New York is now going to be on April 4th. If you're not looking at a calendar, um, that's a Monday. That's never, I don't think that's ever happened in National Lacrosse before. Uh, Monday night lacrosse, that's going to be a little different. For sure. And, um, you know, it's, it'll be interesting. Uh, obviously nothing that we've ever prepared for before. Uh, it's going to be, it's going to be uh, a, a tough weekend of lacrosse. I can't, I honestly don't remember who we play on the Saturday, but you know, to have a, a double header uh, with a Saturday and Monday and then turn around right after that guys are going home Tuesday to come right back on, on Friday. It's going to be, it's going to be tough for guys, uh, especially guys who are working Monday to Friday, uh, guys with young families and stuff. But, you know, it, it's the NLL. You know, we have to adapt and we'll make it work. It's uh, you, you go Buffalo on the second, New York on the fourth, San Diego on the ninth. That's a pretty good stretch of three home games in seven days. For sure. Uh, last one. Uh, Bellerman, how are they going to be this year? And uh, are you following closely as always? Uh, I haven't been able to, to follow them. So obviously they've only had two games so far. It seems like they've got a really young roster. You're two season two of a new coach. So I think they're still uh, implementing some of their, uh, their, their um, schematics as a, as a coaching staff. So I think they're still, they're going to be on the a building year this year, but uh, I'm excited for the future, especially with that, that new Southern conference that they've joined in. I think, uh, you know, they get the right pieces. They can be competitive pretty quickly. Well, Teddy said it was the last. Go ahead. I was going to say, I have one more. I know uh, some of our listeners that are, you know, south of the border or even just PLL fans. Uh, can we expect you back in the purple with the uh, the water puppies this year or what? That's the plan. Uh, I'm under contract. Uh, I think they're happy with me from last year. So the plan is to to be with the, the water dogs this summer. Mr. Big Cat's oh. probably not happy calling them out for beers all the time. <laughs> <laughs> He actually did. He sent us uh, a, a bit of scratch for a bar tab one time. So they take Unreal. care of us. Unreal. Uh, awesome. Dill, appreciate this, my man. I hope all's well. Say hi to Allie and all the crew down there in Denver. And uh, we'll catch up soon, man. Good luck this weekend. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. All right. That's Dylan Ward. Um, have you ever been to a WWE event, Patty? I have. It's been many, many, many moons. Um, been to a Raw, a SmackDown, and then I believe a cup, maybe two house shows. Yeah. Yeah. Two house shows. One at Rogers Center when it was, uh, or two of them were Rogers Center and the rest were at uh, Air Canada Center, which is now Scotiabank Arena and Skydome probably even back then um, for, for them. But yeah, no, I, I was a huge wrestling fan back in the day. Um, not nearly as big as we talked a couple of weeks ago, but I still love the rumble. I'll still try to tune into WrestleMania. And it's crazy. Like when you see these guys up close, like, oh, yeah. like it's, it is ridiculous. The, the athlete and the specimens that some of these guys are, and even the smaller guys like the, like that back, like when I was a big, big wrestling fan, like some of my favorite wrestlers were like the WCW cruiserweights oh, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. The guys like buzzing around. He mentioned Ray Mysterio. Like it's insane that Ray Mysterio is still wrestling to be quite <laughs> honest. Yeah. Um, I remember one year I was, 
Like I've been to, I think a handful. Um, my first one was ever in old Nassau Coliseum when I was a kid, when uh, my brother was playing for team Canada at the worlds in 1992 and saw like macho man and the ultimate warrior and hacksaw That's Jim awesome. Duggan. And like, I, I've been a wrestling fan my whole life. And then um, when I was living in Rochester, me, Johnny Grant and Andy Turner uh, got tickets and we were second row and like edge was wrestling and he's uh, an orangeville hall of famer so we're chirping him about the bunny barn and he would just kind of like look over <laughs> his shoulder like how do you know about that place and we're in rochester how do you know in the bunny barn and we we're just making all these jokes and i had the <laughs> i worked for the nighthawks so i had the passcodes like the back alleyway i'm like well let's go backstage yeah. see if we can see some wrestlers so i punched in the code we're going back down there was a few guys down the road and this security guard who's like six seven shaved ball head like looks at us goes hey what are you doing in my hallway i'm like oh i work here we're just passing it was like not today you're not get the fuck out <laughs> i'm like oh oh <laughs> sorry sorry we'll just go out this door now <laughs> like they take it like so seriously but like i i oh man i was so jealous when i saw those pictures of those guys sitting front row uh, taping i would have lost my mind had i been there yeah, as soon as I saw those tweets and some of the Instagram stories going, I was like, oh, I know Teddy is just going to be. <laughs> and as I'm not, I, I couldn't even finish the thought in my head. And I saw your tweet saying, yeah. I am so jealous so right now. Get, oh, man. Yeah. What, what a night that must have been. Um, but obviously for them, coming off a big win against Calgary is huge. And it's interesting to hear Dylan's perspective on, you know, when goaltenders have off nights and, and, and that game in Vancouver, how there was no panic. And I heard a couple of the guys on that team uh, from that mammoth, from that game on the mammoth, just talk about how there was no panic on that bench. And that's really been a huge part of their MO this year is no matter the situation, you know, they were down against Calgary and they battled all the way back. They were down, um, you know, the Vancouver game, their San Diego game was the one-off, but in pretty much every game, they've had a moment where they needed to battle back. And, and that stems from Pat Coyle and Jason Bishop and, and Andrew McBride and Robert Hope, who's captain um, in the leadership group. And it's just incredible to see that team, like Dylan said, not just be known for their defense, but now putting up numbers and the confidence in that group to, to do it in so many different ways. Um, they are scared. They're unbelievable. The, the dynamic of their offense, it's, it's so different to see with the mammoth like that. Yeah, of course they've had some of these pieces on offense for a little bit for a little while now, but like what we're seeing from, from Ryan Lee, it's like, it's, it's potential MVP candidate stuff. Like he is playing on another level. He's playing with so much confidence. And I think it's also being able to sprinkle in Connor Robinson, who is playing with a, a ton of confidence right now. Zed Williams, obviously not playing to, the expectations that we have but he still draws so much attention because he's zed williams he's a big body and you, you throw in digby in there and that's another thing that i don't think a lot of people have really talked about is all that size that they've added you know from mm -hmm. before it was a lot of small water bugs that did a lot of great things flying all over the turf but when you go up against the big defense sometimes it was challenging for those little guys to get in on the inside now You've got some Brewsters to be able to crash and bang and free up some space for these guys. Uh, this offense is completely different. And then you think, oh, yeah, they also have the best goaltender in the world back there. And their defense continues to get better, too.
Yeah, they're, they are starting to put all the pieces of the puzzle together. And they'll have to do it again this weekend as we look ahead to week 10. Uh, it all starts Friday. Two West Division, sorry, Western Conference matchups. Uh, Colorado in Calgary. Uh, Calgary Sports Entertainment Corporation. Uh, what's the other C? I don't know. What, I don't know what the last C is in CSEC. Anyway, uh, the group that owns the Flames, <laughs> the Roughnecks, and the Hitman uh, put an announcement that uh, food and beverage is back. Um, there will be no proof of vaccination needed to get in. You will be required to wear a mask when you are seated, not physically drinking or eating, but, and they'll still be at 50% capacity, but all that points to signs, uh, good signs that we will, will be back in Calgary playing games this weekend and the CSN game of the week next weekend. Um, that is just good all around for the national cross league. Uh, it'll just be a, an incredible atmosphere when these two teams, two rivals get going. Yeah, and I think that this is a, obviously it's an important game for, for both these teams, but for Calgary, it's like, again, we said we're not going to hit the panic button or tell teams that they should be thinking about hitting it. But if Calgary drops this one there, like it's going to be, you know, completely, uh, like it's, it's going to be an uphill battle for this team to get back into the thick of things. And the only thing that I have that's a saving grace for this team right now is that we have, this is the worst that we've seen Christian Del Bianco play. Yeah. So I don't think we're expecting to see this for, for much longer. It's just a matter of time until he starts playing better again. And I think this would be the perfect opportunity here for him to, to step up and, and play, you know, out of his mind and start to play like we are used to seeing him play. And it's just, it, it's, it stinks. Cause like, I love his game and I, 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 I love him as a, a competitor. He, he's, he's a great personality for the mm -hmm. game and you, and for a guy that is so confident, it, it is interesting to see him struggle, but because he's so confident, you know that he's going to turn it around eventually. It's just, when is he going to do it? Is it this weekend? I'm sure his team would love it because that would be an easy way to spark this turnaround for the season. Yeah, we'll wait to see if they have Dixon Pace and Marshall King back in the lineup. Um, but, you know, it, it can only get better for Christian Del Bianco's numbers. But I think admittedly, they would all collectively as a group say their defense has been playing that great uh, in recent weeks. So uh, this is the second game, as we mentioned, uh, of a home and home between these two teams. They won't play again until the final weekend of the season. So tiebreakers could be uh, done with by the time we even get there. So a big game this weekend for Calgary against Colorado. Uh, Saskatchewan, Vancouver, the other Friday night game, both teams coming off convincing wins versus Panther City. I think this is a perfect time for these two teams to kind of match up. They're both battling for that third spot in the NLL West. Uh, this is probably going to be one of the better games of the weekend. Yeah, I think I actually, this one, and then we'll get to my other one later, but this is definitely a 1A or a 1B for, for most intrigue that I have. I think these are two teams that are ready to prove that they belong in the top half you know, of the West. And again, it's just unfortunate for, for Vancouver that they don't have Mitch Jones here because, yeah, we saw a lot of contributions from all different players in this team. But when you go up against that Saskatchewan, Saskatchewan rush team, especially the lefties, like you need one guy that's, able to go one-on-one -on -one with whether it's rubes beards like the 
even if Mitch Jones is playing, like the de- the defense has the capability to hold them to scoring is going to be huge in this one. Um, and when you lose your best offensive threat, your depth gets thinner because, you know, those depth pieces now have to be, uh, you know, top scoring pieces. Mm-hmm. So this one's, this one's tough for me. Like I, I think if I had to lean somewhere, I'm going, I'm going with the rush. Um, but again, like, I don't know. I thought, I thought Vancouver was going to lose against Panthers, uh, Panther city and they took the boots to him. So this is going to be a fun game to watch. It, it absolutely will be, you know, Alex Bouquet, Adam shoot two goaltenders who, you know, people perceive they're not having good years, but when you look at the numbers, yeah. they are having, you know, pretty solid number wise, uh, season. So, you know, both goaltenders are going to have to be good. Both defenses are going to have to be better than they were the last time they played Panther city and both offenses are going to run into better defenses than when they played Panther city. So, a big test for both these clubs. And if Vancouver can find a win, uh, they would definitely create some space between themselves and the bottom half of the Western Conference. On Saturday, the TSN game of the week. Patty, I know you're going to be super excited for this one. Bandits and Rock, maybe the biggest game of the weekend. Uh, last time these two teams played, Buffalo won 12 6 in late January. But the TSN game of the week from an empty first Ontario center. You will be there, John Abbott, Ashley Docking. I'm excited for this one on Saturday, five o'clock Eastern. Yeah, you and I, I think you probably knew when I said there was a one A and a one B. <laughs> well, this is one of the other ones. And I the last time these two teams played, yes, like it was physical, it was rough, and you should expect it. Anytime Toronto and Buffalo, you know, they they tango, it it ends up being a, a tough contest. But for me, these two teams. They're a lot different, even though Buffalo has been, you know, rolling since that point, there is, uh, you know, their defense looks a lot better. Matt Vince has continued to impress their offense is clicking, but on the Toronto side, like they were decimated in that game with, with yeah. COVID and injuries. So like, I, you know, Buffalo is coming to this game saying like, don't, like do not take anything into from that last game because like they're going to be full staffed at least it looks like uh, and I, I can't wait this is going to be a like an absolute slugfest physically and also I think that we've seen Toronto can can explode for some offense so I, I think that although these are two very good defenses and what we saw from the Rock last game I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a little bit of a high scoring contest between these two teams. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw some physicality and maybe some yeah. cuffs between these two. <laughs> you, yeah. I was going to say, do you think uh, the Billy Hostrauser uh, issue gets addressed uh, well, this game? It is the first time these two teams have met and it wouldn't surprise me if Priolo went up to Mr. Hostrauser and said, Hey, remember last time, time to answer the bell. I would love to see that. I would absolutely love love to see that. I would love to see it. Uh, The ESPN game of the week, also on Saturday, New York at Georgia. This has a lot of intriguing storylines as well. We kind of wax poetic about New York and the way they're playing and how they're better than that one and six record. If they can find a win in this game, they really can start to build some momentum. And, And Georgia coming off that tough home and home weekend with Albany, you know, they're not playing their best. They're having their moments of struggles. This could be a very intriguing matchup and one that New York should be looking to try and win. Like they always would, but one they could probably take. 100%. And 
one thing I've seen Jeff T play quite a bit. One thing I've never seen Jeff T do is play, you know, two subpar games in a row. He's going to be coming to this game with a chip on his shoulder. He's, he's going to be pissed off that, you know, a reason why his team didn't come out with a win is he was held to three assists. So, you know, he's going to be flying Callum Crawford, like this guy, obviously he's, he's been putting up points for a long time, but this year he's doing it in a different way. He's not really using his athleticism nearly as much. And he said, you know, I had a conversation with him before the game um, that week. And he said, like, I can't like physically, I can, I'm not the same athlete that I once was. So I have to be a little bit smarter with the ball. I have to, you know, I know there's some talented lefties on the other side of the floor. I got to swing the ball East West and last game, like he was shooting the lights out. So we know their offense is going to click. Like we know they're going to be able to go blow for blow against Georgia. It's just, can that defense kind of replicate what they did against Halifax and maybe clean up a couple of the, the little errors that they had yeah. and Orleman, that's another big piece as well. Can Orleman come up with some of those big saves where they need them? Playing against the team that originally drafted them, the team that, that kind of let them get away in free agency. Uh, I, I really think this is an opportunity for New York to, to get a, a second win under their belt and, and start to climb up that Eastern conference. Because if, if I'm telling you, if, if they can find a win and get that second victory, you know, who knows if they can, you know, how much further they can get, but you know, they're only one win behind Georgia for six. They can slowly start to climb up, make some noise, cause some confusion and maybe play spoiler for a team down the stretch. But you know, it's, it's a long shot for them to get into the playoffs now, but, you know, you put a few wins together and you start playing with confidence. Anything can happen in this national crossing. You can just look at that Rochester Albany game from earlier in the year. We didn't think that home opener for Albany would go the way it did. We didn't <laughs> think Rochester would blow them out of the water and we'd have a viral goalie fight. But now they get to go back and they get a little bit of revenge. They go into Rochester uh, this weekend on Saturday. And I think Albany is going to look back to that game and say, let's not forget that if we kind of take our foot off the gas and look ahead to weeks down the road, bad things can happen. And when you're a supposed championship team, you cannot have bad things happen, especially twice to the same team. 110%. This, this East is an absolute meat grinder, man. Like it is so, it is so tough and Rochester flip side, like, they're going to say, look, look, this is a team that we know we dominated them the last time. They're going to be coming out flying. Like, you know, we embarrass them on their home opener. Like they're going to know, like they're going to be feeling that they owe us one here. Like we've lost four in a row guys. Like we can't take anything for granted. But with that being said, we know this is a team that we can beat. Look, we have a youngster in Ryan Hartley who's been thrown into uh, a situation that he wasn't expecting but he's been standing on his head. Mm -hmm. Like, I think this is, you talked about how there is a perfect opportunity for New York to, to pounce on the team here and collect a win. I think the same thing is here for Rochester, because if they lose, that's five in a row now. And they then drop to two and six. And if New York gets a win that weekend, you know, they, they climb them. And even if they don't, Georgia moves up to four wins. So, yeah. Either way you look at it, if you lose, you're in not good standing in that East. The more, and, and the thing it's, it's not just, you know, the, your record changes. 
losing five in a row like yeah. that 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 can really be a mental grind on a team right especially, especially after for, how especially well they goal it too right yes exactly exactly and for a team that started out like oh boy like you know they're in a rebuild but now that you know at the start of the year maybe they're thinking like maybe we're maybe we're a year ahead maybe you know maybe this is a year that we can take a run and then if they go on a five game losing skid or more it's like yeah maybe we're not there yet Right. So if you can kind of instill some confidence back into this group, there's no reason why they can't be in the mix. Final game on Saturday, San Diego at Panther City, the first of four straight home games for the expansion club, uh, a rematch of a game uh, just a few weeks ago where we saw a last minute goalie change. Uh, we saw the San Diego seals just kind of will that victory uh all signs pointing to Frank Chiliano being healthy and ready to go. Uh, the Seals seem to be a juggernaut. This, again, should, air quotes, be an easy win for the Seals. But there are no easy nights in the National Cross League. But it wouldn't surprise me if this was a convincing win for San Diego on the road. Well, if you look at Cool Bet, and I know we're not in our, our box bet segment just yet, but Looking at from a gambling perspective, I think this is the biggest uh, favorite that we've seen so far this year. Minus three and a half on the spread, minus four fifty five <laughs> on the money line. Like this is the, the books are confident that the Seals are going to win this game and they're going to win big. Like, and you're right. Like this, this totally obviously all signs show that you know San Diego can roll in and come out with a victory. But like Panther City, that they've shown that they want to play spoiler, that they're going to keep games close, that they're going to grind you out. But like Teddy, as you know, man, like I, I know, hard hustle, hard that will take you so far in the National Lacrosse League. But at the end of the day, you still need to score, you still need to play sound defense, and your goalie still needs to make saves. So you know, playing that underdog pesky role will get you so far but if you're not collecting wins here and there that will also get frustrating for a club as well yeah and and that offense was, was stymied against vancouver and, and they were stymied against saskatchewan the week before so they've had a few struggle bus outings the last few weeks they, they need to find some momentum and it's not going to be very easy against the san diego defense it's playing with a ton of confidence do you think this is a case of there's a lot more tape out on these young guys and yeah. this offense and teams are now figuring out how they've been able to score? Yeah, I do. And especially, you know, when you look at how teams are shutting down a guy like Mike Triolo, you know, when he, when he, the first few games in the season, you know, as he's often done when I've watched Mike play those first few games, you know, he goes out and, and puts up, you know, two, three goals, four five points and is really successful and then teams understand how to shut him down and he sort of becomes invisible. And when your righty side is all six, three and over and your lefties are all five eleven and under, you can kind of match up and you can find ways to silence offenses. And I think you're right, Pat. I think the book is out on how to kind of minimize the damage of what Panther city does on offense. And I think Tracy Kluski and Dan Teeter are going to use that as a positive to try to find different outlooks and different viewpoints on their offense and how to be different. So, you know, I think 
you know, Panther City is an expansion team through and through, and they will agree with that. They aren't one of the most veteran experienced expansion teams as we've seen in the past, and they're having some struggled moments. You know, I think Orleman is a great young goaltender. I think he's their, probably their goalie of the future, but maybe it's a time they give Nick DeMood a start. Um, so we'll see what they do again, going up against his forward team. Does he have a bit of an ax to grind and, and want to kind of prove that he should have been kept? So um, I, I really think that the bookers probably got it right in heavily favoring San Diego in that game. But, you know, it wouldn't surprise me if, if Panther city's hanging around still in that fourth quarter. Um, no doubt about that. Sunday, while you are tailgating and getting your belly full of chili and nachos and pulled pork and ribs and wings and every kind of craft beer Brad Schauner can find. <laughs> wings, Thunderbirds from Hamilton, your second game of the weekend and a very big game in the landscape of the East. Huge, absolutely huge. If you look from the visitor's side, this is a, a prove me game. This is where you silence the, the, the quote-unquote haters, the doubters, because the writing has been on the wall. You and I have said, a lot of people have said it. Well, Philly, you know, they've scraped by, but when it comes to, you know, picking up wins against good teams, they haven't been able to do it. And when they play those lesser teams, they just eke out wins. Well, you can silence those people by coming into Hamilton on a Sunday afternoon. Maybe you catch a, a Thunderbirds team a little bit sleepy, and you come out and and show that that offense is dynamic. Show that when at the start of the year you're looking at their offense and comparing it against Buffalo and San Diego and saying, like, this team on paper, this offense on paper should be contending, should be lighting the lamp. So from that aspect, like, there is more than enough motivation. And to avoid going five on five, five and five and, and falling – you know, a little bit behind in that playoff race. And then from a Halifax perspective, there's been a lot of chatter about Buffalo. There's been a lot of chatter about San Diego and even Albany. You could even throw in there um, up until this past week where they split with Georgia. A lot of talk about these teams being championship contenders and, you know, the favorites at the start of the year, the unfinished business and everyone was really hyping up this Thunderbirds team. Well, they kind of lost a little bit of their luster after that egg against Albany. And even though they came out with a convincing win against New York, still not a ton of talk and hype around this club. So again, another opportunity where this team can go in and come out with another victory. And I think, you know, seeing Kyle Jackson yeah. come, on, come back, you know, that Mark is Peterson huge for the back. offense. Clark Peterson was back. He only had three assists, but then you have Austin Shanks, who has been, you know, in the last couple of weeks, you could argue one of the best shooters in the league. Um, mm -hmm. You can talk about this defense, how good they are in Warren Hill, like in the conversation for goaltender a year. So this is a prove-it point for Halifax too. Like, let's not forget Halifax at the start of the year, heavy favorite, and that they want to belong in that conversation. They have to be, if they're going to be in that conversation, they're going to have to take care of business against a Philly team that is struggling, but will be hungry. Philadelphia plus one goal differential uh, and goals for a goal against just continues to boggle my mind. We think about that offense. They need their defense to kind of just hold a fort. And you're right. 
They need to find a way to beat a winning team. They need to find a way ways to convincingly beat teams that aren't in the same league or category as them skill wise. Uh, and they just haven't been able to do that this year. And this will be a massive, massive test on super Sunday. And why don't we even try to win you some money so that super Sunday can be a little more enjoyable. Time now for box bets, your source for all the lines, odds, and props across the NLL brought to you by CoolBet.com. Stay cool, bet responsibly. <laughs> hey, we're having a good day, lads. And uh, we're still in the mix, baby. <laughs> it is the super, the super, super Sunday. And it is our super boosted bull parlay. Let's try and yes. bring yes. them both together and do some things. Well, we know you're going to be watching the big game between the Bengals and the Rams. And we know you're going to be watching the Thunderbirds and Wings because yeah. it's 1 o'clock Eastern time. So it's even earlier for you West Coasters. Love it. So what's a bet? Like when you have teams that maybe you don't have a rooting interest in, and that usually is the case unless you're lucky uh, and your team's playing in a championship, isn't you just say, like, I just want the game to be interesting. I just want to see I some points. I want both teams score. to have fun. I want both teams to have fun. Well, what's fun? Points, 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 points. So what we're going to do is the combined score of the Bengals and the Rams and the Thunderbirds and the Wings to go over 69 and a half nice <laughs> points. We're going to boost that up to plus 300. So, so if, all you're doing on Sunday. So if, if Philadelphia and Halifax put up 25 goals. Cincinnati and LA only got to put up 44 and a half points. Easy. Correct. 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 Yeah. Easy. 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 Just there's so better hope Warren Hill and Hingy aren't on their game. (laughs) That's the thing. That's the thing. But we'll know. So that's the the beauty of this. Once the Seabirds Wings game is done you'll know how many points you have to root for. Yeah. So this is it. 69 and a half. Doesn't matter how we get it. Doesn't matter how many goals are scored. Doesn't matter. Well, I mean, it does matter, but just collective. Yeah. Take the calculator up, add them both together. If it's, if it's over 69 and a half, your bet catches. Let's go. Let's go. You mentioned there were some other, you know, um, interesting odds from the games this weekend. The, the plus three and a half is just, wow, that's the biggest spread we've seen all year long. But, you know, if, if you think Calgary is going to win that game um, against Colorado, you think it's going to be a low scoring game, you know, under plus 117 isn't a bad little sprinkle. Uh, those two teams can play a, an incredibly tight defensive matchup. Uh, that Vancouver Warriors Saskatchewan game has all the potential to not only be a high-scoring game, but a low-scoring game. But maybe think it's going to go over 22 and a half, and they put up some points, uh, minus 102. So um, head over to coolbet.com, and there are a ton of options. And really, like, seven different options on that Seals-Panther City game. And you can really bet heavy if you think the Seals are going to run away. You can take the first half money line, uh, two-way handicap, overall. Like, you can get in on it. And Coolbet has done a great job over the past few weeks 
just giving you those fluctuating odds, Patty. Absolutely. And those things are great when you're building those parlays. Like if you, you know, if you, you, you're not really confident, like for example, like San Diego three and a half, like that is a lot. So maybe if you want to buy it down to let's say two and a half, well, now you're getting it at minus 147 or even at one and a half, you're getting at, at minus 217. So you're probably not going to just lay that out as an individual bet, but you know, if you parlay that with, let's say we'll look here, let's go the Buffalo bandits. Now, all of a sudden, just the bandits to win out. Right. And the seals to win by two, you're getting that, that at plus one fifty four. So you're just adding a little more juice to your parlay. Um, and it makes things a little more interesting as well, too. So we don't have our, our normal picks, here for our boosted odds we do have the boosted odds but it's not you know we're picking games here but there are a couple of games that i do like you mentioned it already i mean i love the riptide on the money line at plus 256 and if you are a little bit chicken and you're a little bit scared i mean even to get them plus two and a half at plus 100 like i love that one yeah like i think that would probably be my best bet of the week i really really like that one um and then the other one that i think is probably my second favorite one of the week would probably be and i know with the way that we've seen what we saw them play last week um, it kind of changed it, but I still like Albany with the under, uh, under 21 and a half. Um, I would probably buy the point there. I just think Hartley, the way he's been playing, and I think we get a bounce back from Dougie. And I think Albany's going to want to go back to playing their style of lacrosse defense first. Yeah. So I like the under there as well. Is there um, anything that you like? Didn't, didn't we go heavy last week and say, always take the under in Albany games? And both their did. games we and both and it, both yeah I think that was this just the second or maybe third maybe there was another time actually yeah it was the blowout against Rochester that it went over so just the way that game went before I think uh, I think they felt like the game got away from them so I, I could see them trying to play a little more of a tightly contested match. Uh, all right, give them the give them the deeds, Patty. Well, you can go to coolbet.com, of course, and you can sign up for an account in less than 30 seconds but before you do make sure that you enter that promo code the bonus code that little green button click that type in otcb and the fine folks at cool bet will double your first deposit up to two hundred dollars terms and conditions do apply and of course the big game is this sunday as we mentioned so 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 many props so many different odds that you can bet on, make the game a little more interesting. And as well, make sure you pay attention to the social media for Cool Bet at Cool Bet Canada or click the promotions tab. There will be a couple of promos exclusively to Cool Bet um, that will pertain to the game on Sunday. And I'm not talking about the T Birds, Halifax, and, uh, and Wings game, another game that's going on. Um, and as we always say, stay cool. Bet responsibly. Um, you know who bet responsibly was uh, one of our favorite lacrosse people. Um, and he had a five-way parlay. And he turned 10 bucks into 410. He took the Firewolves minus one and a half, bet Buffalo minus two and a half, 
The Rock minus one and a half, Mammoth minus one and a half, Warriors minus one and a half. They all hit plus 4,003. They made 410 bucks. That's how easy unreal. it is, Pat. Unreal. Unreal stuff. That's we should be getting this guy to, to Yeah, to he should our, be our guy. Our not not you or me. Right? I know. No, God, no, no, no. But yeah, that, I, that's the thing too. Like, like we said, like when you become a cool better, go online, obviously put in your promo code, but show us your tickets. Like send, send us a screenshot, see who you've got this week. Like make those parlays yourself, make the individual bets. And we talked about it a little bit. And the reason we don't go into it too much um, on the pod is because when we record this, the player props aren't out, but that's one thing that I've been thoroughly enjoying seeing on, on Friday or Saturday, the player props come out. And I tell you, man, like kudos to the, to the odds makers because they are so, so close yeah. uh, almost to like right to the goal, like how, how close they are to, to guessing, you know, the, 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 the saves or the goals or the points, whatever it may be, but um, really fun stuff to, to kind of add a little more of a cheering interest to the games that you're watching on the weekend. You can check out Pat's box bets and also Greggy's grinders over on the lacrosse, the lacrosse flash.com. Um, before we get out of here, um, one final little note that I found uh, from this week, uh, the PLL starting to announce their schedule for the summer does not sound like they're going to be coming to Canada just with border issues and everything that's going on. It uh, doesn't sound like it's going to be feasible, but uh, they've already announced their first six cities. Um, they're going to continue to announce more, but, you know, expect the hotspots to continue to get hit uh, with a few others sprinkled in, but the PLL going to have a hot summer. Yeah. I'm looking forward to, obviously we're, we're super dialed into the NLL season, believe it or not. Like, we're getting close to the halfway point and it's sad to say, but you know, the season is getting close to that midway point, but uh, because it's such a backlog season with all the postponements and everything, um, the end of the season will feel a little bit longer. So I'm not wishing for the PL season to come anytime soon just yet, but when it does come up, I think it's going to be one of the more interesting seasons um, for the box lacrosse fans. There's a lot more, uh, of our flavor coming into the league. Um, it does stink that, you know, we're not going to see them come up north of the border um, this season, but Paul Rabel put out a tweet basically saying that, you know, they've been to Canada before, you know, they, they even went over to Asia before they want to go all over the world yeah. and they will be back in Canada. And I, I've got to say, obviously would love to see them to go back to, to Hamilton or maybe somewhere in Toronto they got to go out to you guys, though, on the West Absolutely Coast as well. Absolutely, they do. Where I was going to ask, though, where do you think would be a good spot uh, for, for um, the PLL with them? That's a good question. Huh. Um, maybe like UBC Stadium, they might be able to go play. Um, yeah. Maybe you could play indoors at BC Play Stadium. That'd be a pretty sweet yeah. little setup because they got the turf yeah. there. Um, yeah, those would probably be the two that I'd say. Yeah. Yeah. Cause I think obviously it's a no brainer with Ontario. You're either going to, to BMO in Toronto, downtown Toronto, or you're going to, you know, Tim Hortons field mm -hmm. in, in Hamilton. So those are your two obvious spots. 
Lampard Stadium as well in Toronto, which is a little bit smaller. The Toronto Arrows, I believe, the rugby team. They play they're their home games. This year for an exhibition game. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. Absolutely. So now I was just curious because I was thinking, I was like, there's no way that the hotbed uh, that is BC and there's guys in the league that are, yeah. are, are from out there. Like there'd be no reason why they wouldn't. I just think I was like, Oh, where would you go? Cause you know, BC place is bigger. Um, yeah. I indoor. think if they, if they kept the the stadium that they had built when they were kind of refitting the roof at BC place stadium, um, they had a, a where the, the lions played the white caps played um, right along the highway. It's actually a pretty nice little setup and probably would have been perfect, but you know, you could, you could probably go to maybe like Swan guard stadium or UBC stadium um i'm sure they would find a place but yeah i, I agree they completely 100 have to come out west um the next time they come to canada because you guys can't get all the fun out there you guys have all of the funds you guys get everything you guys get everything 12 uh, yeah 1200 spectators it looks like 1200 <laughs> yeah, spectators right. Sorry. It looks you guys like don't it. get everything um a <laughs> couple final uh transactions before we get out of here from the week uh, Calgary releasing Lyndon Bunio, uh, signing Nate Wade to the practice player list. Uh, uh, the Riptide releasing Leroy Halftown and Andrew Truder from the active roster. Uh, Danson Dan Lomas off the evaluation list onto the practice player list. So he's made the next step. Obviously, uh, the big one will be getting full active status and into a game. But in the meantime, uh, they moved practice player Ty Thompson to the active roster from the practice player list. So uh, that's awesome news for Dan Lomas. Um, but, you know, we were kind of talking, if he does get active, where does he fit in that roster? It's tough. Like that That offense has been clicking. It's been buzzing. And I think there was some chatter about maybe Kieran McCardle going in out the back door, play a little more of a, of a transition role. Um, and I think that was kind of their their case that they they saw the writing on the wall. They saw the talent that they have. They have to find a, a place like Ty Thompson's going to be playing this weekend. And he's a guy that I don't think a lot of people really know too much about him. I've seen a lot of him out here in Ontario, whether he's been playing junior B for Nepean or, you know, with the, the Northmen and junior A. Like this is a guy that's a big body, smart. Uh, I think he's got a future in the National Lacrosse League. I don't know if he's going to, you know, stick with this roster this season. Um, but that's another player that he'll, that, that Lomas will have to, to jump. But mm -hmm. the way that he was able to play last year with this unit and the, the what he brings in the room, um, you know, being that team, bit the, the big team guy, like I think he's going to find a spot. And I think this coaching staff are going to do everything in their power to at least give him this chance to, to play because he's worked his, absolute bag off to get yeah. back to this point and that's that's the least they can do and we know we'll be rooting for him and I, I don't want to take away too much credit from Dan but um he finally delivered the cottage spring prize pack and just a couple of days later um he comes off off the uh off the IR and onto the practice roster one step closer to playing so so he does good a good thought. deed and gets one you thing. your care package and karma comes back and promotes them to the practice roster. Like that's I'm, saying, I'm not going to, I'm not going to take all the credit, but I'm going to take a little bit. Of credit. <laughs> uh, if you want to keep up on Dan's progress, uh, give him a follow and also uh, check up with his back of the bird with enemy of the show, Dan Dawson. Uh, he tells an incredible story 
uh, of pranking Patrick Merrill. Um, <laughs> if you've ever been around Dan Dawson, he is one of the biggest pranksters out there, always putting baby powders in people's shoes and gloves, and tying gloves to the top of the nets and just weird stuff. But he, <laughs> the story about him roast getting Pat Merrill is an incredible one. So go check out the latest edition of Back of the Bird. Go check out the latest edition of Lax Class as they had Connor Robinson on this week. Um, so tons uh, of great listening uh, out there. And of course, the latest edition of the lacrosse matrix with Adam Levy will be out. So tons of lacrosse podcasts. We appreciate you listening to ours and all of the others that are out there. He's Pat Gregoire at P Greggy. I'm Teddy Jenner at Teddy Jenner. The show is at OTCB underscore podcast on Twitter, where you can find us on Instagram at OTCB podcast. Don't forget nllshop.com and fanatics.ca for all of your league apparel so they make sure you look the best whenever you're out and on the street. Thanks to Pat. Thanks to you, the fan. Thanks to Dylan Ward for giving us some time. Enjoy the games this weekend, TSN, ESPN, where you can find it all, and we'll break it down for you in a week's time. Until we speak again, stay safe and be excellent to each other. 